first lesson for this special stewardship Sunday is found recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country and away from your relatives and from your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who dishonors you. All the families of the earth will be blessed in you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to travel to the land of Canaan. Eventually, they arrived in the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land until he came to the oak of Moray at the, the place called Shechem. The, Israel, the Canaanites were in the land at that time. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. He moved on from there to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent there with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 20, beginning at the 17th verse. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know how I lived among the whole time I was with you. From the first day I set foot in the province of Asia, I served the Lord with all humility, with tears and with the trials that come to me due to the plots of the Jews. You know how I did not hesitate to proclaim to you anything that would be beneficial for you or to teach you publicly and from house to house. I have sol solemnly testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, now I am going to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit keeps warning me in town after town that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. However, I consider my life as of no great value to me, so that I may finish my race and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the gospel of Luke chapter 9 beginning at the 57th verse. As they went on the way, a man said to him, that is Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he said, First, let me go and bury my father. 
Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another man also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those at my home. Jesus told him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is the Holy Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, beginning at the 57th verse. And I'm going to read these words once again. As they went on the, on the way, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus told him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another man also asked, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those at my home. Jesus told him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Dear followers of Christ, our theme for this for this year's stewardship emphasis, you may think that it's really a better theme for evangelism. Evangelism emphasizing outreach. Because isn't stewardship simply, we got to give more money to church because the church always needs more money? <laughs> and, and, or we look at stewardship as always encouraging and trying to squeeze it out of people. So as soon as you hear the word stewardship, oh, the backs of your hair start to go up. Oh, here we go again. That's not stewardship. That's not how God himself taught it in his holy word. Stewardship is actually, in a nutshell, Christian living. It's using your time, talents, and treasures all to the glory of God, but also carrying out his holy command called the Great Commission. So the stewardship theme fits perfectly even though it may seem like an evangelism theme, it fits perfectly this theme that every member is a missionary. And we understand what it means to be a missionary from the very words of Jesus as he was making his way to Jerusalem. He's now leaving Galilee. This is towards the end of his three-year ministry. He's going to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world. We're several months out yet, and he's taking time to, vi to visit villages and even now has a plan to send out 72 disciples besides the 12 apostles. In fact, the words that are before us is right before that sending out of the 72. And Jesus explains in three different episodes that involve three different people, he explains what it means to be a missionary. And in each of the, in each of the situations, 
we have one word that's being repeated over and over and over again. It's the word follow. And it is the same word, the same word in the original language that Jesus used when he once said to his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That in order to follow Jesus and really be his disciple, it first begins with denying yourself. Deny that you can save yourself. Deny that by your own good works and favor, you can earn God's love for you and eternal salvation. Because salvation is only in Christ alone and through faith in Christ alone. So the world does not revolve around me, myself, and I, but rather the world revolves around the sun. And it's not the sun in the sky, but the Son of God himself, who is the light of the world. And then take up your cross. Now for Jesus, the taking up of the cross was taking on the sins of the world. And in return, blessing us with the forgiveness of sins when he suffered on the cross and suffered the very punishment of sin in our behalf. Our sins he was paying for. The punishment of our sins he had to face because you and I couldn't face that punishment and live. But Jesus conquered death and rose again. So what is the cross if it is not taking it up to pay for our sins, since only Jesus could do that, well, the cross, as Jesus oftentimes would explain to his disciples, is the trials and tribulations you will face because you are a follower of Christ. Many hate Jesus, and because of their hate for him, don't be surprised that they will hate you for being his disciple. So persevere. Do not quit. Take up your cross. But the only way to do that is to follow him. Go wherever Jesus goes. And we can only go where he goes as revealed in his holy word. You cannot separate Christ and his word. So we take to heart his word, letting his word speak for itself. And believing that very word, because it is the word of Christ, it is the gospel and the good news of forgiveness and to eternal salvation in Jesus alone. So follow him. Denying yourself, taking up your cross. But now, here, Jesus will now expand what it means to be a missionary, what it really means to follow him. In the first situation here, we have a man who says, I will follow you, Lord, wherever you go. What a beautiful thing he's saying. You would think Jesus would be excited and, and, and proud that this man wants to follow him and sounds very committed to following him. And notice how Jesus replies. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now some take this as a warning because Jesus would have known what was in the man's heart and, and it's automatically assumed that in the other two episodes where he clearly is warning them that this is probably another warning. 
But you could take it as Jesus simply explaining the sacrifice that is going to have to be there when it comes to being a missionary of Christ. In fact, for the very Son of God himself, the birds and the foxes have it better because they have a home they can go to. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Out of all the names that were used concerning Jesus, it was the Son of Man that Jesus used to describe himself the most. Always emphasizing his humanity, which means he came as our substitute to take our place, living the perfect life we could not live, and suffering the punishment on the cross that we could not pay. And the very Son of God did not come, this very Son of Man, did not come to simply establish a heaven here on earth. It was not his purpose to come here and, and to have a home and, and to build up that home and to raise a family and, and to get a good job and set aside some of his earnings so that maybe he could retire and if he made bank, he could retire maybe at the age of 55 and then sit back and enjoy life, whatever life throws at him. That's not what Jesus did. He came to be our Savior. He came to save us. And so our purpose as Christ's missionaries is not simply to make a heaven here on earth. Our purpose in life is not to set up a forever home where all the memories of our family are supposedly clinging to the walls. And it is certainly not a, our purpose in life to seek the American dream, to get ahead, and to enjoy life to the fullest, whatever life offers you. No, our forever home is in heaven. We're just here temporarily. Our home sweet home is heaven. And until God and our Savior calls us to our heavenly home, serve as missionaries, faithfully proclaiming his holy name. And always keep it in mind what is important, that we share his holy name with everyone so everyone may come to the knowledge of the truth and also know that heaven is their home as well. The second man that came up to Jesus, Jesus, he didn't say, I will follow you. Instead, Jesus said to him, follow me. And the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. It sounds like it's quite reasonable request. His father just died. We got funeral arrangements. He needs to be placed into the ground. There's probably um, work to be done on the estate. He may be even executor of the estate. So let me get all that down so I don't have to think and worry about any of that. And then I will come and follow you and be your missionary. But Jesus replied, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Some commentators have suggested that let the, buried, let the dead bury their own dead as, as simply the spiritual dead will bury the physical dead. 
So in other words, let the unbelievers do the burials. But you have more important work to do. I don't quite see that in the original language, so I take it in the most simplest way. Let the dead bury their dead is a play on words. Keeping in mind that the ministry is not about burying the dead. It's about proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is where Jesus rules. He certainly rules in heaven to the, to the glory of God and in control of the entire universe and for the saving of souls. But he also rules here on earth in our hearts by his holy word. In a nutshell, the kingdom of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and proclaim that. This is what is most important. When I think of these words, I think of a story that I was told one time about a young pastor who just uh, graduated from the seminary and got ordained and installed in his first church. He was all excited. But he noticed that the church that he went to didn't have an outreach program. So he announced to the church that he was going to start an evangelism committee. And when the day came for his first meeting, no one showed up. A couple hours later, they had another meeting scheduled. So the pastor went over the, to that meeting, and, and here it was the cemetery committee meeting. There were tons of people who showed up. Because we've got to take care of the cemetery and, and we've got to make sure the grass is cut and, 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 and any flowers that wouldn't look appropriate are put away and, and discarded. And they made sure that the trash cans at the cemetery were emptied. And, and then they oversaw that every time a cemetery plot were sold, was sold, you know, it had to get approval by the board. There was so much work and energy put into the care of the cemetery. And the care of the cemetery needs to be taken care of. That wasn't bad in and of itself. But the pastor had to admit to his church, and especially his church leaders, it is interesting that people will show up for the cemetery committee meeting. But to do outreach and to be Christ's missionary. You see, our ministry is not for the dead. They're dead. Our ministry is for the living. We proclaim his holy word to the living before they die. Even funerals, the purpose is not for the dead. The purpose of a funeral is not to give a great send-off to that soul that is now departed from that body. The purpose of the funeral is for the living and to comfort the living with the sure hope of everlasting life in Christ Jesus alone. Be Christ's missionaries among the living. Now we come to the third gentleman who came, and just like the first one, he said, I will follow you, but he says this time, but first let me say goodbye to those at my home. He wants to say goodbye to the family, and then he'll come and be Christ's missionary and be Christ's follower. And at least it's not among the dead, so he's got to focus on saying goodbye to those who are alive. 
No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I always love this passage because it makes me think of my younger days, and which was quite a while ago, but my <laughs> younger days when we didn't have GPS on our tractors. In fact, I'm not sure if it was even invented then, and you couldn't afford to put it on even if it was. No, when it came to plowing land, and I chisel plowed and dissed and even used the field cultivator. When it came to setting up a straight row when you come, when you came to plow your fields, and by the way, the only reason for making sure you keep a straight row is so that when the neighbor drives by, he doesn't think that there's something wrong with you. Oh, yes, you want to have a very straight row. So you lined up that tractor, and you pointed that nose to the other side of the field, and then you picked out a tree or maybe a fence post, and you needed some type of reference. And then you kept your eyes pointing and looking at that object as you held that steering wheel and pointed that tractor in that direction. And as soon as you looked away from your spot, I can guarantee you, your roll would start to get crooked. If you turned around to look behind you, then for sure it will get crooked. In fact, if you keep looking behind you, you'll plow in a circle. When Jesus says, you're not fit for the kingdom of God because you're looking behind is a beautiful way of saying you're not focused. You're not looking at what is really important and that is Christ and his holy word and the preaching of teaching of that holy word. Jesus is not saying you can't love your family, but notice the man didn't say, well, I want to go preach to them first. He said, I just want to go say goodbye. He had other priorities that he felt was more important. But the number one priority among everything that we do is that every member is a missionary. Preach and teach his word. Not just the pastor, but every one of us. Again, Jesus is not saying you can't love your family. But when it comes to loving our family, the first priority is always Jesus. This is why I say oftentimes to couples in marriages, please don't simply love each other. But love Jesus, and out of love for Jesus, love one another. If you're going to simply love one another, then it's always going to be based on, well, I'll love you if you prove to me you're worthy of love. Or it's based on the idea that, hey, love can easily go up and down and, and all over. And what happens when I wake up in the morning and I don't feel like I love you? Does that mean it's all over? No, don't simply love each other. It's going to end in divorce eventually. Love Christ and out of love for Christ love each other. And that's a love that's unconditional. That's a love that is patient and kind. And, and a love that is not self-seeking. And, and a love that keeps no record of wrongs. It is a love that sees the problem and does something about it. And it is a love that is unfailing. It is a love that gives 100% and expects nothing in return. And this is the thread that really holds marriages together. 
It's founded in Jesus Christ. It is this very love that unites us with power and motivation and desire to be Christ's missionaries and to be Christ's missionaries even together as we continually preach and teach his holy name. So be who you are. You are believers, which means you are disciples, which means you are missionaries. And every member is a missionary. That, my friends, is priority one. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.